broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia. It's time for Business Writers Radio. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Business Writers Radio. Stone Peyton Lee Cantor here with you. How are you this afternoon, buddy? I am doing great. This is uh, my favorite show of the day. It really you? is. You, you really do like this show, and I do as well. You know, the official launch for Business Writers Radio isn't actually until October, but we have had such a groundswell of interest and participation so quickly. We, we began capturing some really strong content as early as that late July conference that we did in North Georgia for the Business Writers Exchange. They had the boot camp and the conference. And then we decided to get a few episodes under our belt and kind of get this thing dialed in. But uh, I'm just personally amazed at how much great content we've captured already. How about you? I, me too. I really enjoyed it. And, I, and I've been excited to um, really get to know the authors that we have so far. In Business Radio X, we have interviewed authors over the years, you know, kind of sporadically in the different shows. So it's always been a passion. Writers and authors have been a passion of ours over the years. So that brings us to our plan for today. You know, we got to thinking about some of the authors that we've had come through the, the studio. And in late 2015, December of 2015, our own Ryan Redhawk McPherson had a chance to sit down in the studio with the vice president of corporate talent with Chick-fil-A. Her name is Deanne Turner. And she authored a book called It's My Pleasure, The Impact of Extraordinary Talent and a Compelling Culture. So we thought we would share with our listeners today the bulk of that interview. Ryan, cure up. And now it's my pleasure to welcome to the Business Radio X flagship studio in Atlanta Business Radio, the extraordinary Deanne Turner. How are you, Deanne? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me today. My pleasure. And uh, you are from a little company called Chick-fil-A. Yes, sir. <laughs> and uh, tell us about that. What's your role over there? My role for the last 30 years has been in the area of people and started as a human resources assistant uh, back in my first years and grew to leading different parts of people, eventually leading the human resources function and the selection of franchisees, and most recently as vice president of corporate talent. A very, very interesting. Wow, 30 years with one company. I mean, that's got to be a, a dream come true. Looking back those 30 years, was that something you thought about at the very beginning uh, of staying with Chick-fil-A for a long time? I have to say, while I was so excited to get my job at Chick-fil-A, staying there for 30 years never crossed my mind. In fact, uh, at the time, I was I was very young. You know, I started when I was about 12. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. But anyway, I was uh, very young, recently out of college, recently married. And, you know, I saw myself um, at some point probably uh, leaving uh, my career and staying home and raising a family. And so I would have never dreamed that 30 years later, I'd still be doing And this. looking back again on those 30 years, what were some those reasons that kept you there? Was it the, the culture of Chick-fil-A, the business itself? I mean, uh, what really resonated with you? Absolutely. It was the culture and it was the realization that it was such a special place. I felt like I was able to be successful as a wife, as a mother, and as an employee at Chick-fil-A. I think a lot of employees find that there in our support center here in Atlanta, that they're able to do all of those things well, so they stay in the workforce. And for me, it was definitely um, the culture. And I felt like if I left and at some point went back into the um, workforce, I would never be able to duplicate what I'd experienced at Chick-fil-A. And so I was very drawn to that culture 
which included being about something so much bigger than ourselves, more about selling chicken, but actually impacting lives. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it all started with Mr. Kathy himself. Uh, I imagine you have a personal relationship with him or did have. Truett taught me uh, so much about um, people principles. He did. He was often the one that said, we're not in the chicken business. We're in the people business. And he would remind me often, people decisions are the most important decisions that we make. Yeah, those are such strong words that still resonate uh, today and, uh, and and incorporated your, your years there, which led you to write your very first book uh, just this past year. What was that experience like for you? Well, it was it was fabulous. Uh, it all actually started around the time of Truett's death in September of 2014. I was grieving both the loss of Truett and and my dad, who was a, another great business mentor in my life, and um, found myself um, looking for a way to express all that. and And it was bottled up inside of me. And I, I took a week off to go on Christmas vacation. And the next thing I knew, I'd written sixteen thousand words um, about these experiences that I had had um, working at Chick-fil-A and working for Truett and um, realized that I had a story that I wanted to tell for two reasons. The first was that all of us who had learned from Truett, I didn't want us to forget what he had taught us uh, about these key and core principles around our culture. And secondly, I wanted others to know, and those others were the people that would come after Truett that would never know him, um, and that there would be a place that they could go to to actually uh, read about and understand what he had taught us. And you can find all that information in Deanne's new book, It's My Pleasure, The Impact of Extraordinary Talent and a Compelling cu- Culture, which uh, is now on Amazon or your website. How can people find it? Yes, they can go to deanneturner.com or in order directly or on Amazon. Uh, it's also available Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and many airport bookstores around the country. And it really goes in depth of defining and creating a compelling culture uh, within Chick-fil-A or, or your organization. And, and why is that so important this, these days, culture within the corporate community? Well, definitely uh, you hear that there's the uh, quote, and I apologize that I, I can't uh, remember right at this moment who said it, but um, culture eat strategy for breakfast. And you can have all of those other things, but if you don't have a healthy culture in your organization that people are drawn to, um, sooner or later, you can't sustain whatever success there is. So um, culture is a great beginning to any organization. As you think about the key principles around that, about establishing a reason for being in business, your purpose, uh, a mission, something that you're all trying to grow towards, um, important core values that have been established and guiding principles that Uh, dictate the way you'll go about doing your business. And if you're a young CEO out there and and you're still looking and searching for a way to bring that culture and community together within your organization, you can get that information from your book and and it's perfectly okay to adapt some of those same philosophies. Absolutely. You know, and every business has its own culture, Um, but there are some key principles. There's some key skills about growing a culture that you can learn from. It's my pleasure, Uh, but then develop it that fits your own organization in a way that works for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that does start from the top, but does go through every employee and person within that organization, and they all want to buy into that same mission and, and corporate culture. So um, it's interesting, too. You mentioned a minute ago that Chick-fil-A and, and uh, Truett Cathy uh, said many times that he was in the people business, not in the chicken business. So how do you measure success uh, when dealing with people um, as opposed to the number of chicken sandwiches sold? <laughs> well, I would say that uh, Truett definitely did both. Uh, um, he was concerned about how much he was selling, but and he knew, you know, one of our core p- principles uh, is generosity. Part of our purpose is to be a good steward, 
And as I worked for Truett, one of the things I realized is it was important to him to be a good steward of all the resources so that he could be generous, something he loved to do. So he knew it was important to make a profit, um, but it was how he used those profits um, to impact lives uh, that um, was so significant. Yeah, his philanthropic endeavors were extended very beyond Atlanta and to many different areas and helped so many different people. But another interesting point about the culture, it's not one organization, it's actually a franchise. And so if somebody's buying a Chick-fil-A in Omaha, Nebraska, how do they then align their core values with the, the, the corporate values? I'm so glad you asked that question because it brings up a very important point. The hero of this whole story for Chick-fil-A is that independent operator or franchisee. We use that interchangeably. And I am actually amazed that we have uh, 1,400, 1,500 different franchisees across the United States that somehow have pulled together this uh, amazing consistency. Mm -hmm. They put their own touch to it in their market or in their location. There's this underlying foundation. And where I think that comes from is a couple of things. First of all, it starts with selection. True, it did think it was the very most important decision who actually operated the restaurant. Um, he reminded us constantly to be careful with that. He said, if you pick the right person, it'll solve all the problems. We won't need a lot of oversight. We won't need to be prescriptive about what we do. Just get the right person. They'll use their best judgment. We'll have great leadership mm -hmm. in restaurants. And so I think it started with selection, and then I think it, the next thing that happened, both from Truett Cathy during his time as CEO, and since then, Dan Cathy, his time as CEO, is that constant reminder of what our vision is, and um, painting that picture, showing that picture, and uh, that's, that's created that consistency. And then I love the entrepreneurial spirit, where the independent operators go in and, and put their own touches on that. Mm -hmm. And I think when someone raises their hand and says, I want to be a Chick-fil-A owner operator, uh, it's not about, of course, money is a factor, but I think their mission beginning with resonates with them before they throw their hat over the fence and chase it with Chick-fil-A. Exactly. And, you know, it's really not about money at all. When, when Truett started the opportunity for people to become an operator, the reason he came up with it was uh, his own experience was that he and his brother pooled all of their money when he got out of the Army uh, in 1946 into opening their first restaurant. And he struggled. He had an entrepreneurial spirit and a desire to serve others, but he struggled with the financial resources to be able to do that. So as he became successful, one of the things he wanted to do is provide others with that opportunity, people who didn't necessarily have the financial resources but they had an entrepreneurial spirit, a heart to serve others, an ability to lead, um, and he wanted to co cultivate that opportunity for people. So he created the opportunity for people to be um, Chick-fil-A operators. And so that's what we've continued to look for um, as we go into new markets, people who can lead a team of people, engage with customers there. You know, one of the things that uh, I learned from a former mentor in selecting Chick-fil-A operators um, that create this culture, a, a real key question I asked myself at, at the end of every interview, which is, would I want my children, my three children, to work for this person? Because if I wouldn't, why would anyone else? Um, and, and that was just a key question that we used to figure out who's going to be the right person um, to lead a team and to engage with customers at a specific location. Uh, that's certainly wonderful insight, and I know it's resonating with all of our audience out there. And, and again, back to the people are the most powerful commodity with any organization, whether you're uh, you know, a small five-person business or a large franchise operating like Chick-fil-A, 
um, how you interpret those people, speak to those people, and empower them to be successful on their own really uh, speaks to the uh, culture at large. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And so all this information is in Deanne's new book, It's My Pleasure, The Impact of Extraordinary Talent and Compelling Culture. Um, this is a great book for anyone out there to share within their team and their organizations. I think you mentioned before we went on air, some folks are buying this book and, and giving it as Christmas gifts this year. It's a, it's a great book for a number of audiences. We've had leaders who are buying it for their whole team and using it because it's practical the way the book's set up. It goes into four different sections, um, the essence of a compelling culture, how to build a team that creates a compelling culture, growing a compelling culture among your team, and engaging your guests in, in a compelling culture. And within each of those sections are very strong practical tips of exactly how to do that, and then stories from our own Chick-fil-A experience that support that. Um, Additionally, the other audience that's really enjoying this book are college students and recent college graduates, because there's a lot of information in there about how our organization selects for talent. So they're using that to think about how they approach their interviewing process, Hmm. learning about the types of organizations that they want to go to work for. Yeah, so this is really a resource tool for many different folks uh, uh, on any different career paths within the organization, for sure. And uh, you also mentioned that there's going to become a a teaching opportunity for some of these organizations as well. Yes, we have um, resources that are coming out. Uh, There's a DVD series that's coming out in January through Right Now Media. Uh, and then also the potential that the publisher is going to um, create a workbook um, for those who want to follow along with the book and, and actually have uh, study materials with that. I think that's fantastic. There's so much to learn and, and kind of glean from your expertise over the last 30 years with Chick-fil-A, but really, again, your personal relationship with Mr. Kathy and how that information was invaluable. And now you're being able to relay that to some of these people who may have never uh, met the man or spent any time or knew of him. And they can find out that in, in, in real personal detail in your book. What was so incredible about Truett, and, and some of this comes out a great deal in the book, Ryan, but what was uh, really uh, resonates is not what he said, but actually what he did. He really walked the walk. And so when we talk about our core values of <clears throat> integrity, loyalty, excellence, and generosity, um, he was the one who modeled those. And that's how, you know, lots of organizations can come up with words like that. But what matters is how these words are put into action and the behaviors that back them up. So I think about integrity, for example, and there's probably no greater example of Truett's integrity than his decision to remain closed on Sunday. Yeah. It was a decision he made in 1946 when he opened his first restaurant. He got to the end of the week and he said, if a person can't make a living in six days, they probably should be doing something else because everyone needs a day of rest. He did, his employees did. And so he established that policy and he, he stayed with that. Now, In 1946, most businesses were closed on Sunday. Mm -hmm. But in 1967, when he started opening in shopping malls, his first Chick-fil-A restaurants, um, that wasn't the case as much. And of course, now most anything would be open on Sunday, except for Chick-fil-A, a a few other businesses. But Truett, one of the things that he faced was when he was going into malls, some of the landlords didn't want him in the mall because they wouldn't open on Sunday. And he stood to that principle, and he, and he missed those opportunities. Soon, of course, the, the mall landlords realized that where there were Chick-fil-A's, they were doing more business in six days than the others were doing in seven. And Chick-fil-A became a sought-after tenant. Truett was asked often if he ever thought about how much money he lost by not being open on Sunday. And he said, no, but I have thought about how much money I would have lost had I chosen to be open. Mm, right. 
Yeah, and there's two perspectives right mm-hmm. there, but hold uh, true to those values. I had no idea it extended all the way back to 1947 uh, or 46, 46 when he decided to instill that. And that he caught backflack for the, for years from that, mm-hmm. from other business owners, like you said, mall operators, and, but yet he still held true to it. And to this day, and I'm sure that's something that will continue um, as Chick-fil-A continues to grow through the years. That is a promise that the second generation of Kathy's um, Truett's children made to him. Um, before his death and made to the organization was that the uh, that Chick-fil-A would remain closed on Sunday. That's fantastic. And uh, I do enjoy Chick-fil-A all the time myself. Uh, and the menu is always changing as well. So it's, it's never stagnant. But the Chick-fil-A sandwich um, is really the backbone of, of everything that's served over there. And the lemonade, too, of course. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned the menu um, because it really does fit into our core values of, of the customer knowing what to expect. And so we have grown and changed it some over the years, but we're very careful about the way we add new items or we take something off the menu. Um, we don't uh, we do not do a lot of uh, put things on and take it off because I, we think that can be confusing to the customer and they don't know what to expect for, uh, from us. So we're very careful about improvements we make or things that we remove from the menu. And the uh, the slogan that everyone hears anytime you go through the Chick-fil-A drive-thru or up to the counter and you tell the associate, thank you, they always say, my pleasure, right? And when did that begin and, and how does that, everybody adopt that when they begin working at Chick-fil-A? That's such a great story. Uh, Truett had spent time with Horst Schultze, uh, back about a decade before Chick-fil-A started using that phrase. And he was so impressed with the service he received at the Ritz-Carlton Hotels. And and he learned from Horst that the whole attitude for them was that they were ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And as part of that, there was a language that went with that level of service. And Horst had asked his employees that when a guest says, thank you, please say it's my pleasure or my pleasure. And um, so Truett really liked the way that sounded, and he imagined that what that would sound like in a quick service restaurant that's still largely staffed by teenagers. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, I really like that so much better than no problem or right. uh-huh or, right. yeah. <laughs> or even you're welcome. Yeah. And so one year at our annual operator seminar where all the operators and staff are gathered, Truett got up in front of everyone, and he told the story that I just shared. And then he said, now, when your guests say, thank you. I would like for you and your employees to say, it's my pleasure. And um, so we all went away and and not much happened that year. It didn't change. Mm. Well, to make a long story short, this went on for 10 years. Truett got up every year and made the same request, but it wasn't changing fast enough. Mm. And so uh, a man who often did not prescribe things he or be prescriptive about rules or policies um, he stood up the 10th year and he said, now, you need to know I'm serious about this. <laughs> I really would like for you to have your employees yes. say, it's my pleasure when a guest says thank you. He had us all practice it together. And from that point on, it really became part of our culture. But it was more than the language because anybody can dictate a language. It was the service spirit that's behind it. Mm-hmm. And um, the rest of that sentence is, it's really my pleasure to serve you. Oh. And we are in the service business. That's what anybody who works... The people who work in the restaurant are obviously serving guests, and uh, we like to say at, at the support center, if you're not serving chicken, you better be serving someone who is. Um, so we're all a part of that service mentality, and it's really our pleasure to do so. Yeah, and you, and that's a, a phrase that you can't just say with low energy or mm. not mean it. I mean, to actually yeah. say it, you have to believe it, and, and, and then you say it enough, it almost becomes true at that point. So just mm-hmm. continue to say it, and then it will become a part of your 
uh, core culture of your of your franchise or your store out there too. And all this is in Deanne's new book that you can find on Amazon and different places. It's my pleasure. The impact of extraordinary talent and compelling culture, which just happened, uh, which was just written in 2015. And you've been on quite a bit of a book tour now with this thing, right? Where, where were you just recently? Last week I was in New York on Fox and Friends, and that was a great experience. One of the great things was just the culture of um, the Fox studio. The people there were great, and uh, it was truly a pleasure to get to talk about the book um, with Steve Ducey and Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Did they bring Chick-fil-A food onto the set for you? Absolutely. They, they <laughs> are big Chick-fil-A fans. Steve had said he'd already eaten Chick-fil-A twice that week, and uh, our new location in Manhattan there provided them with some great Chick-fil-A. Good. And now you're here in the Business Radio X studios and on Atlanta Business Radio. And we're so thankful that uh, you're, you're sharing your story here for our audience. And where does 2016, what's on the horizon for you and the book, where it may take you? Well, my first priority is I'm, I'm still an executive at Chick-fil-A, and I'm really grateful that they allowed me to, to write my story and share their story. Uh, but that's my first priority. Um, secondly, um, to any extent that the book is helpful to internal or external audiences, I'll continue to talk about that, and we'll see where that ends up. But uh, I I love the opportunity to share Chick Fil A's principles and core values with others, and and build relationships with our guests and our suppliers through that opportunity. And also looking ahead to 2016 for you professionally with Chick Fil A, what are some of the big uh, milestones that you're looking forward to, you know, from the corporate side of things. Well, Chick-fil-A has been very excited to expand into new markets over the last couple of years. And, and as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, we opened in October in Manhattan. That was a, a big undertaking in uh, right there next to Herald Square on 37th and 7th Avenues. And the lines are still wrapped around the building in the middle of the day, which is amazing in the way that Manhattan has embraced us. And so for Chick-fil-A, we'll be continuing to expand in some new markets continuing to uh, be sure we saturate the domestic market. We'll look forward to serving even more customers. We're still continuing tremendous growth. You know, one of the things that we haven't talked about yet that I think is really important is Chick-fil-A's corporate purpose and how that came about. You know, in mo- in a lot of organizations, they start with a, a purpose right out of the gate. Why are we in business at all? Uh, Chick-fil-A actually didn't start that way. But in 1983, uh, we were experiencing our first ever sales slump, and we had moved into a new corporate campus that created a lot of debt, and Truett was anxious. He was nervous about what was going on and trying to figure out the right thing to do to get things back on track. So he took his executive committee off on a retreat, and um, they didn't come back with a new sales contest to motivate Chick-fil-A operators. They didn't come back with a new debt reduction plan or reduction in force or any of those things. They came back with a purpose of why we were in business at all. And that purpose had two tenets. The first was to be a faithful steward of all that we had been been entrusted to us. And the second was to be a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. And so Truett brought that back. The staff embraced that. And that was where we really started to grow this whole idea about being bigger, being about something bigger than ourselves. Mm -hmm. And um, using that to impact good both in local communities and in faraway places, too. And so the results of that have been very interesting since that point. Um, First of all, we've had sales increases, phenomenal sales increases since that time. In 2012, Chick-fil-A became debt-free. Our operator retention rate has been about 95% over the history of Chick-fil-A. And our staff retention rate has been about 96%. 
Um, even at the team member level, we read we lead the quick service restaurant industry in in employee retention. So it's uh, it's been fa- those have been fabulous results since we first figured out mm-hmm. why we're in business, and so that dictates the future as well. Right. Um, opportunities to impact lives through this business that we've been blessed with, and having that uh, that corporate mission that uh, holds value and true to everyone uh, within the corporate executive suites, or all the way down to the owner operators, and it comes back to that uh, servant leadership that mm-hmm. uh, Truett Kathy first started out, uh, and that's a big part of today's business strategy mm-hmm. for people. Uh, can you speak to that for a moment, please? Sure. It's even interesting how you just mentioned that from the corporate executives down to the operators at Chick Fil A. Actually, we we have a different hierarchy. Okay. Um, the people who serve the customer are at the top. And so, um, you know, our Chick-fil-A employees who are employees of those individual operators are so important because they're the ones actually serving the guests. And then everything else circles around the operator themselves. And so they're in business to serve guests and the rest of us are there to serve them. I love the model of servant leadership that um, Truett certainly demonstrated um, from the very beginning in so many ways. But I got to see it firsthand from a leader that I worked for for about 15 years. He learned it from his operator. He started as a teenager, 15 or 16 years old, working in Chick-fil-A restaurant. And so his his operator did a couple things every day. He went through the restaurant and greeted everyone when he arrived Hmm. and said hello. And at the end of the shift every day, he went through and told everybody, thank you. And those are simple things. But think about this. So there's a guy who leads operations for this multi-billion dollar restaurant chain. And what he learned about servant leadership, he learned as a teenager from his own Chick-fil-A operator, (laughs) which is fascinating. So some of the things that I saw this guy do, um, first of all, he was always the first to arrive and the last to leave. leave. If there was food served, he was the last to eat. But the most significant thing I watched him do for years as Chick-fil-A was a sponsor or is a sponsor of the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, obviously there are opportunities for executives to to sit in a box suite that Mm -hmm. comes along with that. You would never find this leader in the box suite. He was down in the trenches with his operations staff and with operators cooking Chick-fil-A sandwiches and serving them in the stands. And to me, that's the epitome of servant leadership. When you're right there along with the people that um, are serving the guests, helping them. That's a fantastic story. And it just makes me think very simply, either you get it or you don't. Mm -hmm. And if you get it, you truly do. And you don't think twice about it. And you just work and you work for others when you don't get it. I don't know if you ever will, and that's unfortunate. It's just the way human nature may be. And uh, mm-hmm. but also to touch on your other point about the Chick Fil A and the sponsorship and the and the media campaigns and the marketing efforts that you guys are doing, I think that too plays right into the message of servant leadership, of just honest, good um, advertising and and sponsoring events that people really enjoy, like the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl, and of course the iconic cows on the billboards and the commercials, um, and that continues to to get funnier and better, more better every year. Um, and is that something that uh, kind of started with Truett Cathy as well, and has uh, resonated through the years? I'm not an expert on our marketing campaigns. Uh, I can speak into a couple of things. Um, Truett Truett thought some of the best marketing was, for example, sampling the product. So sometimes, uh, hopefully often, you still see that happening. Whether it's the original Chick-fil-A or it's some of our new products, you can go into a Chick-fil-A restaurant and find the operator and his or her team members giving away that product. So that was that was true. It's number one. If you got the taste in their mouth, yeah, um, then the, it's hard to turn away. Yeah. Um, we've been, uh, the cow campaign has been an amazing thing. Uh, well over 20 years now that we've been uh, involved with that. And uh, just speaks to, um, again, a loyalty of a long time uh, relationship with our, um, the creators of the cow. 
And um, then from there, the other thing we want to do is make sure that um, uh, people have the opportunity to, through our marketing is to learn about the great products of Chick-fil-A and the people who serve them. Mm-hmm. And how are you uh, giving back to the community uh, from a corporate standpoint as well? What are some of the uh, um, missions and, and, and organizations that you uh, help out on a regular basis? Here in Atlanta, uh, we're involved in several things from a corporate ba- basis. One of the things you might be most familiar with is the Junior Achievement Financial Park. Oh, yeah. um, Chick-fil-A has been a, a sponsor of that and has um, helped bring that to Atlanta and provide financial literacy for students all over Georgia um, through that opportunity. Most proud, probably, of, of all the many things that our Chick-fil-A operators do, from food donations to support of mil- military appreciation to providing um, some of the uh, shelters here in Atlanta, the opportunity for food, just a number of things that over time we've tried to do to be involved as good community citizens. Uh, and I know you will continue to do that, not only uh, from the corporate level, but each uh, operator who may be out there is certainly giving back to their local community and and pulling people together with that same corporate mission and core values that uh, has been in place for, for so many years at Chick-fil-A. And Deanne has been a part of that. And she translates for all of us into her new book, um, uh, it's my pleasure. The impact of extraordinary talent and compelling culture, which you can find at Amazon or Barnes and Noble, and uh, you can get into that. And you said it's a fun read, an easy read, and, and certainly an educating read for anyone who picks up the book. I, I like the fact that it's uh, it's a pretty easy read, and I've had a lot of reviewers talk about that. Um, some people have picked it up in the airport on the East Coast, and by the time they get to the West Coast, they've finished it. And uh, so it's a good read for that kind of trip. Good Christmas vacation read um, as well. Um, Yeah, and I look forward to reading it over the Christmas break as uh, you've brought me a copy here today. So I'm excited about that. But what about you personally? What are you currently reading or what's on your nightstand that keeps you inspired? (laughs) Well, there's so much on my nightstand. My problem is I get a little distracted because like a lot of writers, I do love books. And um, so I keep telling myself I'm going to read one book at a time, but it doesn't usually happen that way. I'm actually a huge history buff. Mm -hmm. And so recently I have been through Bill Riley's series and I'm um, currently reading Killing Reagan, um, but have have read Killing Jesus and and Killing Kennedy and and several others that um, he's written. From a business perspective, been reading Team of Teens, um, which has really been about how uh, kind of the new focus on leadership, that if you're going to accomplish anything, it's going to be through collaboration. Hmm. Additionally, I've been reading, and so, and then uh, totally another vein, Jen Hatmaker's book, um, For the Love, which uh, she writes um, both as a a mix of faith and humor about her life as a mother and um, as a woman of faith. So those are the three things that are sitting there right now. And then you can find uh, Deanne wrapped up in one of those books. Um, Also, you can find her in her office over there at corporate headquarters for Chick-fil-A in 2016. Any advice before we leave and uh, before we wrap up, you would give to a young career executive, someone who's just first starting out, um, other than reading your book, what are some things that they can do today that will put them onto the path of success that you may have learned uh, through the years? So having a couple of young millennials in my life that I'm raising, uh, this is the exact advice I'm giving to them as they're launching out into their careers. Um, First of all, you want to find a place that you can authentically be yourself. And so um, look for that place that has that culture. Uh, that um, resonates with who you are as an individual. One of the things that we've done at Chick-fil-A, when we make a selection for a hire, we're obviously looking for the very best candidate we can find. 
But we're also wanting to give that candidate an opportunity to look into who we are and get to know us. And uh, so we invite them to do that because 50% of the decision um, is theirs. And if we're going to have a long-term successful relationship, that has to be the right place um, for them. So as I have a chance to encourage those that are entering their career, that's one of the things I tell them. If if an organization is not willing for you to take a close look, then it's probably not the right organization. If they are willing, then be sure you do that and uh, be sure that what they're all about matches up with um, what's important to you. And that goes in line with everything that we've said since the beginning of the show, for sure, is uh, uh, find your direction in life, find your mission and your values, find someone who resonates with those as well, and begin to work together and explore ways how you can grow together corporately, professionally, um, and personally. So when it's all said and done, it's really about the people um, inside an organization that make the organization what, it's, what it is. Absolutely. It's about talent. Yeah, the talent <laughs> and, and recruiting good talent, keeping it, and, and, and cultivating it as well. We call it uh, selecting, stewarding, and sustaining. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and Chick-fil-A has uh, made a model that anyone can emulate, and certainly their success is, uh, is on track to, uh, to, to, be, uh, to, to be wildly successful, as you already have in 2016 and beyond. So uh, we encourage our listeners to go out there and get Deanne's book. Uh, you can go to deanneturner.com for more information about her as well as her, her book, uh, It's My Pleasure, The Impact of Extraordinary Talent and Compelling Culture. You'll also be able to find it on our web posting later today, atlantabusinessradio.businessradiox. You'll full, see Deanne's full bio and links to her website and book there. So thank you so much for taking time to join us today. We look forward to having you back real soon in the studio and talk to you some more here on Atlanta Business Radio. I am so glad we decided to do that. What a fantastic interview. I think Ryan did a, a marvelous job and what a genuine pleasure it was to hear Deanne Turner talk about the culture there at Chick-fil-A and her work as an author. I'd like for us to reach back out to her, though. I'd like to have her back in the studio, Lee, and let's maybe dive in and, and learn a little bit more about the mechanics that she employed to author the book and maybe get some counsel from her to share with aspiring authors. What what do you think? Absolutely. I thought her advice of finding a place where you can authentically be yourself was right on point. And that is the mission of the Business Writers Radio Show, is to be that place where business writers can come on, tell their story, explain how they wrote, why they wrote, um, and give aspiring authors as well as existing authors a place to learn and hone their craft. All right. Until next time, this is Stone Payton for Lee Cantor, our producer, Ryan Redhawk McPherson, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Business Writers Radio.